You know what that is, don't you? The wolf whistle. It's me, Cindy. The wolf whistle reminded me of a Gary Larson Farside cartoon. It ran for about 15 years back in the 80s, in case you weren't around then. By all means, look them up. This particular cartoon was called Animals and Their Mating Songs. And it was one panel that was divided into six squares. And in each one, they had, you know, like a cricket and a bear and a whatever, like with their whatever their mating call was. And the bottom panel was, was a man sitting at a bar with a drink in his hand. His call was, hey, baby, hey, baby. It is like all the Gary Larson stuff. Hilarious. Uh, I'll post that cartoon up on my Facebook page so you can see it. But if you have a chance and you want to see for yourself, sometimes at old book sales or the library or just do a Google search of The Far Side, Gary Larson, and see some of his stuff because it's brilliant and funny and it'll make your day. Or you don't have a sense of humor. (laughs) Or you don't have my sense of humor. Anyway, back to the whole wolf whistle thing. This past week was a big one for women. One of the stories you might not have heard was this, relating to the wolf whistle. The first man to be prosecuted under France's new catcalling law has been given a fine equal to about $352 U.S. for slapping a woman's derriere and making lewd remarks during rush hour on a bus in a Paris suburb last week. Yeah, the new law passed in July was championed by Marlene Schiappa. She's France's gender equality minister. Yeah, we don't have one of those. It applies to wolf whistles, to public sexual or sexist comments that are defined as degrading, humiliating, intimidating, hostile, or offensive. Violations carry hefty on-spot fines ranging from 90 to 750 euros, which is equal to roughly 104 to 876 dollars here in the States. Thinking about it, When I was 13, 14, getting close to moving up from girl towards being a woman, I have to admit, early on, I found wolf whistles to be an affirmation that I was cute or attractive or appealing. At the time, it was encouraging. Okay, I'm just, you know, true confessions here. Being attractive was important. Being attractive was huge as every magazine cover and TV ad constantly hammered home, beauty was it. Beauty was everything. Beauty was our collateral. Looking back on it now, I'm kind of creeped out by the idea of a little me, or a young me, or a teen me, getting hooted and hollered at by random guys on the street or passing by in their cars. I want to tell them to stop. I would want my young self to sneer, snarling, cut it out, you creep, or something like that. My feeling of being flattered eventually faltered. Fast forward to rounding the corner onto Main Street with Megan, she was about eight at the time, and some guy, leaning out his apartment window, hollered something like, Looking good, mama! To which I replied in my sternest mom voice, Do I look like your mother? He quickly shut his window and disappeared. I felt a rush of empowerment, and I think Megan got that too. The revelation that we didn't have to be polite or tolerate it or take it as a compliment. Here's a compliment. Excuse me, I just wanted to tell you, you look very nice today. This is not a compliment. Hey, baby, you're fill in the blank, or I'd like to fill in the blank, or pretty much anything any of them say as you or they pass by. 
Can you imagine if women did that? I had to look it up. I was thinking there was a commercial once that had women catcalling men. But no, it was a Diet Coke ad back in the 90s that had a group of women standing at an office window looking down at the construction site watching a really cut shirtless worker taking a sip of a Diet Coke. It was hilarious and ironic. But they didn't yell anything or even say anything that he could hear. Maybe we do quietly amongst ourselves, occasionally remark on the assets of a particularly attractive guy, but to do it out loud so he can hear it, not in this commercial and not in real life. And for those men who still feel it's perfectly okay, if there are still men who haven't caught on yet, well, I guess there are in France at least, what are they thinking? If I whistle, maybe she'll come over here and my charisma will sweep her off her feet and we'll spend the rest of the day... Or like the guy on Main Street who ran from his window when I called him on it. Do they just want to dish it out but not get called on it? And don't those cat-calling guys understand why it's so wrong? Let me explain. It makes them seem like a cave-dwelling, knuckle-dragging Neanderthal, giving in to primal instincts unaltered by socialization. You know, bad form, rude, unnecessary, stupid. Second, it plays to the point that we're trying to obliterate that women are judged by their looks. Nobody's ever shouting, hey, that's some brain you got there, or read any good books lately? Third, it's disrespectful. For men who don't understand that, like I asked the guy on Main Street, would you want some guy whistling at your mother, sisters, daughters? I'm willing to bet the answer there is no. So if that wouldn't be right for them, what makes it right for anyone else's mother or sister or daughter? Fourth, it can feel threatening. You're a woman walking alone. A group of guys starts commenting on various parts of your anatomy, and you feel your skin crawl. Please don't point out my body parts as though that's all I am, and it can trigger a tiny paranoid voice in your head that goes, God, I hope they're not a group of psycho killers. Beyond catcalling penalties being handed out in France, it's also been a big week for women here in the States. You didn't think I could get through that week without talking about it, did you? There has been no lack of commentary from every corner. TV, social media, newspapers, phone calls between friends, any gathering, any place. And it seems like the world, for now I'm talking about our corner of it, is divided into two groups. Those who think women are less important and those who know that women deserve the same respect as men. That Senate hearing and investigation aside, The profound difference between the experiences of men and women as they move through their lives is brilliantly summed up in a post I just saw. I have a friend, Marie. She's not only a talented children's book author and illustrator, but something of a social activist like so many of my friends now as well. And she posted this thing on Facebook, and it stunned me in its obvious truth. And I haven't stopped thinking about it. So join me in mulling it over somewhat constantly for the next couple of days or more. It's from Jackson Katz. It's K-A-T-Z. He has a TED Talk as well if you want to explore more of his thinking. Anyway, in his book, The Macho Paradox, Why Some Men Hurt Women and How All Men Can Help, Jackson describes something he's done with hundreds of audiences. He says, I draw a line down the middle of a chalkboard sketching a male symbol on one side, a female symbol on the other. Then I ask just the men, what steps do you guys take on a daily basis to prevent yourselves from being sexually assaulted? At first, there's kind of an awkward silence as the men try to figure out if they've been asked a trick question. 
The silence gives way to a smattering of nervous laughter before someone finally raises his hand and says, I I don't think about it. I, I don't do anything. Then I ask the women the same question. What steps do you take on a daily basis to prevent yourselves from being sexually assaulted? Women throughout the audience immediately start raising their hands as the men sit in stunned silence. The women recount precautions they take as part of their daily routine. Here are some of what Jackson says make the list. Hold my keys as a potential weapon. Look in the back seat of the car before getting in. Carry a cell phone. Don't go jogging at night. Lock all the windows when I sleep, even on hot summer nights. Be careful not to drink too much. Don't put my drink down and come back to it. Make sure I see it being poured. Own a big dog. Carry mace or pepper spray. Have an unlisted phone number. Have a man's voice on my answering machine. Park in well-lit areas. Don't use parking garages. Don't get on elevators with only one man or with a group of men. Vary my route home from work. Watch what I wear. Don't use highway rest areas. Use a home alarm system. Don't wear headphones when jogging. Avoid forests or wooded areas, even in the daytime. And there are more, many more. That's some list, right? Is it any wonder I can't stop thinking about it? And did you hear that the day of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's testimony, the number of phone calls to the National Sexual Assault Hotline was reported to have jumped 147%. The organization corrected that number the following day. It turns out that the calls were up 201% over their average as women phoned in for help coping with their own past assaults some admitting them for the first time. And this in a week that began with Bill Cosby sentenced to prison on only one of the dozens of reported assaults, most of which were too far past the statute of limitations to be tried. In those cases, the women who had mustered the courage to tell someone at the time weren't believed or were ignored or criticized or accused of lying. Maybe it'll be different now moving forward. Maybe thanks to the women blazing the trail and coming forward. More women will have the courage to speak up. Maybe thanks to the week we've just been through, more will fully understand that they are victims and not in any way to blame. Maybe more will be confident that the justice system will be on their side. Maybe Dr. Blasey Ford's finally speaking of her trauma has served not just to free her from keeping it in, but will help begin the healing for countless others who've suffered as well. We can only hope.